We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Raiders were able to get a touchdown right before the half. Now it's Bengals 20, Raiders 13 at halftime. Opening game of wild card weekend. Patriots and Bills tonight. Three games tomorrow, Eagles-Bucks early, Niners-Cowboys in the 3.30 window, and then Sunday night, Steelers in Kansas City, and then on Monday, Cards and Rams from L.A. Uh, Right now, they're in a lockout in MLB. Uh, We're hoping to get good news at some point in time. And, of course, you have uh, the Timberwolves idle today. They get the Golden State Warriors tomorrow night. And you'll hear that game here on the home of the Timberwolves, News Talk, 830-WCCO. And our coverage begins at 630, tip just after 7 o'clock tonight. Once again, uh, the Timberwolves uh, take on uh, the Warriors tomorrow night. I'll be on following the game uh, with uh, Timberwolves tonight, uh, Sunday night edition uh, between 10 and 11 o'clock. And the Timberwolves need a W all of a sudden. They dropped a couple games on the road, getting beat by the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans. That was a heartbreaker in New Orleans. Uh, the Wild got a big win. They beat the Ducks 7-3 to last night. And uh, the Wild are in a bit of a roll now. When they are able to play, they beat the Bruins. Uh, they lost Kirill Kaprizov that night. Then they found a way to beat the Washington Capitals in St. Paul without Kaprizov. They were very shorthanded. Won two points there in a shootout in that 3-2 victory. They had games at Winnipeg and Edmonton uh, postponed, and then they come home and beat the Ducks 7-3 to last night. They'll be on the road uh, Colorado on Monday. So you're up to date on the local sports scene. We'll have a little bit more on the U and what's happening there a little bit later on in the hour. Right now we're going to talk to Doe Young Park. He covers the Twins for MLB.com. But as we mentioned, not a lot of news there right now. But uh, Doe made an appearance on Jeopardy! in December, and maybe you heard about this, or saw him on Jeopardy, and he's joining us now. No good to visit with you, and uh, it, it's a little late, but Happy New Year anyway. Happy New Year to you too, Steve. It's been a while, and uh, who would have thought that of all things that this is what I'd be on <laughs> talking about today? Oh, I, I know, and you're, you're so good with your time in the lead-up to spring training, during spring training, in-season uh, you, you will join us and talk all things twins, but right now we're going to talk about you and an appearance on Jeopardy, and I, I've been trying and trying and trying, and uh, you were traveling and you were overseas, and now you're back home and it's all worked out. This is so cool, and I just want to go back to the beginning. How did you get this opportunity? How does that work? Do you apply? Do you go online? How do you become a contestant on Jeopardy? Well, I appreciate you saying that, Steve. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. So, so the process looks significantly different, I understand, now because of the pandemic than it did during normal pre-pandemic times. How it worked for me, at least, is uh, there used, there's an online test 
that's open to everybody. You can go onto uh, the Jeopardy website yourself right now to even take the test if you so want. Um, it used to be only once a year, like you had to take it on one of like three predetermined days, but now you can take it any time. And uh, what, if you get a qualifying score on that, you're entered into kind of a, I guess a random drawing is my understanding to uh, advance to the next stage. I was fortunate enough to get that call for the first time uh, as part of this application process. They make you take another test to prove that like your score wasn't a fluke. You're like recorded on Zoom for that and everything to make sure you're not cheating. To get a qualifying score on that, there's another, I think, random drawing uh, where if they like you, you, they, you get pulled, they like do like a personality interview, you play like a mock game over Zoom, like so that you can like, they have you like pick out clues, answer questions, talk a little bit about yourself, see if you got interesting stories to tell on TV and whatnot. And then if they like you there, you get put in another pool. And uh, if you're fortunate, you get called to be on the show. And I and I did, and I couldn't believe it when I got that call. Well, well, how long did all of this take? It, it, it sounds like something that would take months. It took. Um, it took. I think it was about a year and a half, actually. Oh from, wow! Uh, from when I took the test for the first time to uh, get through the process to um, actually airing on the show, because it was waits of several months. Um, between the first two tests and then between the second test and uh, the uh, the Zoom interview and then another couple months before they gave me the call. So you get the call and then they say, all right, here's when we're going to tape and you go to L.A. And you go to L.A. Here's the funny thing. So the, the first funny thing is that I actually got the call. I'll always, I'll, I'll always remember this. The call was, was July 23rd because I got the call just as the Twins press conference with Nelson Cruz after they traded him at the trade deadline oh. so like we're finishing up with Nelson Cruz on Zoom and I'm looking down at my phone and there's this like unlisted number with like an LA area code and I'm just like oh man is this really what because I've been you know it had been on my radar and I was like and I like mute myself on the Zoom turn the camera off I like leave the room I go get it that is what it is and then like you're supposed to like keep it on the down low, right? But like, like I came back and like everybody sees me like running out of this like Zoom room with Nelson Cruz and Derek Falvey, and they're like, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "All right, guys, listen." But the, the other thing was they actually <laughs> wanted me to originally tape in August, um, and I couldn't do that because I needed to work. I was going to be at Fenway Park at that time, so I asked them nicely if uh, they could uh, adjust for my work schedule, and they did. So I ended up actually taping in October. So you get it worked out. You have it scheduled. I suppose, in addition to doing your job covering the Twins for MLB.com, you're you're studying like you're back at Stanford. I mean, you're probably <laughs> reading and doing everything you can to get prepped to be on Jeopardy. Uh, here's a secret. I probably studied a lot. <laughs> I probably put a lot more prep into that than I uh, get into my classes in college, which is probably an indictment of a. Uh, of my poor studentship back in the day, but um, uh, I was I was I was I was preparing like a madman. Honestly, um, I've been I've been trying to get on the show for years now. I've been I've been really into trivia for a long time, and um, I did quiz bowl when I was in high school. I, uh, you know, like I would just watch Jeopardy like at the student newspaper during college with my uh, with my editor friends. Uh, I do I'm 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 active on the local bar trivia scene. You know, around the Twin Cities, that sort of thing, and you know, it's just a it's just a pipe dream of mine. Especially since um, eh, I really, really wanted to share the stage with Alex Trebek. Unfortunately, that wasn't able to happen before he passed. But uh, it's something that I've you know been 
actively working for it for a long time. And then once I got past that first stage and I was like, wow, this might actually be possible at some point. I might actually be good enough to do this. I understood like where my strengths were, where my weaknesses were. I made sure to reinforce my strengths, really pound my weaknesses and uh, just tried to get myself in better shape because I, I knew before spring training that I had advanced past the first round. So I was like, okay, if this is going to happen, I should start prepping. So like from spring training, I had like reference books. I was making flashcards. I was doing like sporkle quizzes online, like everywhere with me. Like I was pretty much like a hermit this year because I was just, you know, going, going crazy all year, just trying to patch up all my weaknesses and, uh, in preparation for that one day. And, uh, it was good that I did because I ended up making it all the way through. Yeah. So you get to LA and you tape. So I would assume they pick you up at LAX. You have a nice hotel near the studio all of that, is that how it panned out? Uh, I I took a cab from LAX to Culver okay. City, um, okay. and I uh, got and I paid for a hotel. Uh, they 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 don't actually pay your costs. Uh, what they do is uh, the idea is that the consolation prizes. You're if you if you appear on the show, you are walking out of there with a minimum of thousand dollars. You can finish at minus seven thousand and you still get a third-place consolation prize of 1000 bucks. Um, so the idea is that that kind of helps um, offset, the cost of, uh, sure. offset the cost of appearing on the show. So did you go in a day early? Was it two days early? How, how did all of that work? Uh, the funny thing is I was actually it – was, it was great that that, had to, that happened to be the Monday that I taped. It was a Monday because I was already going to be in California that weekend anyway for a friend's wedding. And so after the wedding – I had to get to L.A. a day early because they make you get there a day early to do your intake COVID testing to make sure you're negative and to make sure you've got all of, like, the necessary documents and everything like that and just to give yourself a little breathing room. So I get to L.A. a day early, sequester the hotel, test, um, and then the next day it's a 7.30 a.m. call time for the taping. Wow. How did you sleep the night before? Uh, really well. Really well, <laughs> okay. actually. Um, I was... I didn't know how I was going to handle that because uh, I'm a, I'm notorious as an overthinker, over prepper, whatnot. Uh, but I was actually honestly pretty at peace the night before. I got to say, I was like ironing all the clothes that I had to get ready because they ask you to bring like four or five changes of clothes in case you have to uh, go. So for those that don't know, they tape five episodes in a day. So it's not like they tape one episode a day and you got to keep going back every day to tape if you keep winning. Uh, they have, like, two days a week where they take five episodes each day. So they knock out two weeks' worth of episodes in those two days, and then, like, the rest of the time is spent, like, writing questions and, like, getting contestants onto the show and that sort of thing. Um, and so the night before, I was, like, getting all of my outfits ready just in case I, I didn't think I was going to need them. But um, I was worried that I was going to, like, find the need to, like, feel the need to, like, cram or everything and just, like, go crazy studying overnight. But at that point, I was actually pretty at peace. I was like, you know, I've prepped hard for this for almost a year now. You know, i got to be confident in myself. I'm not going to add much that I haven't already learned in these last 12 hours. It's just imperative I get a good night's sleep and enter the taping in the best mental state possible. So you get to the studio, and there's the check-in and all of that, and then... How does all of that work? If they're taping five episodes, were were you right out of the gate in that first episode to be taped that day, or did you have to wait for your turn? No, 
I was on the I was on the first episode, so you'll notice okay. that I aired on a Monday. My air date was Monday, December twentieth, and so they tape Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in order that day. So I was on the first show, but it's not right out the gate. So they bring everybody together in the green room. So they normally have a green room where they like sequester the contestants like between and before the shows and like talk to you and all that. But because of COVID, it's like a tight space. So they can't use the normal green room. So our green room was actually the Wheel of Fortune set, which was really cool. Uh, like we were sitting like where the studio audience normally sits in like the Wheel of Fortune stage where they actually film Wheel of Fortune next door to Jeopardy. And uh, it was crazy because there's a lot of action going on because at the time they were like taping, I aired the week of Christmas. And so they were getting the uh, Wheel of Fortune set ready for the Christmas holiday themed tapings as well. So like there were trees going up, nailing little candy canes, like getting fake snow all about all, all around the, uh, the Wheel of Fortune stage. I'll, I'll never forget this. Like they, they use like the little space around the wheel as uh, the little makeup booths where they like make you up and touch you up before you go on the show. Wow. And uh, they covered the wheel up with this big tarp huge sign that says do not touch the wheel and i really want to touch the wheel uh but they get you there they get you there um and uh they give you like a hour and a half long orientation they literally go through like every single rule you could possibly know you know they've been doing this for like three decades now so like every question that could possibly come up they've got it covered in this like orientation of like here's how you hold the buzzer here's how the buzzer timing works here's how like this commercial break will work you we want you to clap coming in from this commercial break but not this commercial break here's how you should answer the question here's how you should call out the clues don't wager dumb inappropriate numbers on the clues don't do that sort of thing blah 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 um and after that they take you over to the jeopardy set everybody plays two practice rounds in groups of three so that you can feel the buzzer and then uh it's around you get there around 7:30, and then maybe around like 10 o'clock is when the first episode starts to tape um, and uh, they called my name for that first episode, and I barely had time to react before we were whisked off to finish up our makeup and go tape. Wow. My heart is beating like a rabbit listening to this. Uh, how, how did you feel through all of this? It's like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm going to be on Jeopardy. Yes. Yeah, is... um, actually, I... And here's the here's the here's the nice thing about um, being a baseball reporter in this. The part, the the thing is, like, I feel like the preparation, everything like that, is you know, it's kind of universal to everybody. Like, you got to have a knowledge base. Like, you know what you need to know. Like, if you end up on the show, you've been a pretty big fan of the show, so you have a sense sure. of what to expect for the game itself. But what you can't figure out is like when you're actually in that chair when you're behind the podium when you're actually calling out the clues ken jennings is in your face like how you're going to emotionally react to that and i think one advantage of that is like over the years i've talked to athletes about like the mental side of the game and like how they prep for like standing on the mound like what sorts of breathing exercises they do to calm themselves down that sort of thing so i have like a pretty good like i had a set of breathing exercises i was going to do to make sure i was staying grounded the whole time and honestly just going in i just was like, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance. I'm going to enjoy this, and however it turns out, it turns out. Like, I was, I've been like that back into my college days, too, where I'd have big tests coming up, and I'd do a pretty good job of not freaking out about it on the day of. But here's what you do freak out about is, so Jeopardy! watchers know that, like, there have been, this has been the season of Ultra Champions, and when I was taping, there was an Ultra Champion on the show um, 
his name was Matt Amodio. He ended up winning 38 games, and at the time I taped, because the episodes air about a month to two months after they taped, Matt Amodio's loss had not aired. And I did the math, and I was like, I knew going in, like, if I get there and Matt Amodio is still there, he will have won, like, 82 games. He'd be, like, the all-time winningest player ever at that point. And so I was, like, at least mentally ready for that. Um, I get there, and thank God Matt Amodio's not there. I'm like, okay, I got a chance. And then at the end of orientation, they tell you, okay, who is the returning champion? How many games have you won? What, like, what is the dollar amount that you have won? And uh, there's this, like, quiet woman sitting next to me at orientation. I knew that something was up because all the rest of us us looking around, we're talking, we're talking, and she walks down quietly or takes out of once during orientation. I'm like, oh, no, she knows what she's doing. Um, and it turns out she's the returning champion. And they're like, how many games have you won? It's 13. How much money have you won? 530-something thousand dollars. Oh. And I'm like, ah, geez, here we go again. So that's what freaks you out. Yeah, and, and who who is that woman's name? That is Amy Schneider, and she is yeah. still on the show. She has now won 33 games, and she's still going strong. Well, and... So you, you get to the moment where you start taping. Um, yeah. Is it like, you know, all of us imagine where it's kind of like they count it down and boom, you're on the air. And and you've been around radio and television because you're at the ballpark all the time. So you get that part of it when the game's on the air, when, when Dick Bramer goes on the air, or Corey Provis and Dan Gladden. You understand all that. You, you've joined me at the ballpark a number of times. You get all of that, so you're comfortable being on mic. But here you are on Jeopardy. Are, are the lights as bright as they seem to be? I mean, is what's that experience like? Yes, they are. And um, they're even brighter than that. And uh, so, well, here's the thing. I do, I do on air. I do, I do, like you said, I do radio and uh, I do radio hits with you and uh, with your colleagues and all the time. Sure. I do TV hits on MLB Network. I do on location segments for them. This was a different animal, man. It was, uh, it's different from being in front of a camera holding a mic versus being on a sound stage with bright lights on you, with like spotlights on you. There's a camera following you around. Like there's a camera following your face around. You're at a podium. You're on this big stage in front of a studio audience. That's like dark. Uh, that was that was crazy. And the thing is, like they play the theme music. They dim the lights. Um, and again, that's one of those things where you don't know how you're going to react when you get on that stage. But I'll tell you, they got us on the stage we're all standing there um we're getting ready we write our names down ken jennings comes out and says hi before we start taping and uh they they turn the lights down and the music starts playing and i didn't know how i was going to feel in that moment i played that moment through in my head so many times i didn't know what it was going to be like let me tell you steve hearing that theme music hearing this is jeopardy announced hearing my name announced, uh, staring into the camera for that, I was worried I was going to be terrified. But all the fears just melted away as soon as the music started playing. I felt just so at ease. I felt so calm. And I was like, this is what I prepped for. This is what I've been building up my life for. I've been dreaming about this moment. I'm going to enjoy this. And I was fortunate to say I did. Um, And as for the actual stage itself, it's funny because it both feels smaller and bigger than you would expect. 
um, when you when you're in the audience, you're surprised by how small and compact everything seems, from the podiums on your right side to the to the uh, to the uh, big uh, clue board on your left side. But when you're actually standing at the podium, it's remarkable how enormous that board of clues is in front of you. It's uh, it's actually crazy where uh, it, it fills up your field of vision and it doesn't let the clue doesn't like blow up in your face as it does and let, to like fill up the screen when you're watching on TV. It only occupies the one little space it takes up on the scoreboard, and I still didn't have trouble seeing it. That's how big it is standing across the stage from it. Wow. Do Young Park joining us covers the Twins for MLB.com. Appeared on Jeopardy in December and. Did an amazing job. Amy Schneider is still a champion. About the game itself, I know from doing radio how quickly segments and hours tick by. This is a 30-minute game show with spot breaks. It's about 20 minutes or so. So it must have flown by. It absolutely flies by. And let me tell you, I blacked out when I was on that stage. I had read a lot of different testimonials from different contestants that had gone on. I'm an over-prepper, so I, like, for example, I read, there's a book out there called Secrets of the Buzzer that's, like, a book literally just about the Jeopardy buzzer and how to master it. I read that thing cover to cover three times. So, of course, I, like, went in and, like, read every single contestant testimonial I could get my hands on to at least mentally prepare myself the best I could. A lot of people will be like, it flies by you will black out, you will have no idea what happened in your game. That's exactly what happened for me. I remember here and there, I remembered Amy running the first category as soon as we started. I remember thinking that was the most absurd thing ever. I remember the, I remembered one or two different clues I got right. I remember that there's a baseball clue. I remember that I got a daily double. Beyond that, I have absolutely no idea what happened. It, ta- it taped more or less in real time, and I just went into autopilot, you know? It's yeah. At a certain point, you put so much energy into timing the buzzer and thinking about the responses you're going to give to each clue that you don't really have time to process the flow of time. Uh, it was it was crazy in that sense. And so the two months, because I taped on October 12th and I aired on December 20th, that was pure torture of what had happened, but because I was so intensely curious about what exactly had happened in the game, because I knew that I got a daily double in there somewhere, I knew what the final scores were like, I had absolutely no clue what happened anywhere in between, and I had, like, friends who were watching the show earlier than I did texting me, like, oh my god, I can't believe you answered Bad Teacher, I can't believe, like, you got this clue about, like, Goldwire, and I'm like, I, uh, those were clues in my game, I had no idea, it was truly one of those things. <laughs> Well, I, I thought you did an awesome job, and it, it's been great to talk to you. And our 20 minutes have flown by, kind of like Jeopardy. I didn't black out once. I enjoyed every minute of this story. It, it just, it's just phenomenal. Though, thank you so much for sharing this. And um, like I say, I, I, I thought you did an awesome job. And does it help that Amy Schneider's still on the show? Absolutely. I appreciate you saying that, first of all, Steve. I was, you know, I, I really went in wanting to win. You know, I mean, obviously you go in wanting to win. Um, but I think, I truly think if I'm not going to win, the next best thing is to lose to not just an all-time great, but an all-time great who is just, you know, as 
together, knowledgeable, like, and just like, you know, like humble and funny as, as Amy Schneider's. I think she's been such a phenomenal representative for the Jeopardy brand and for, you know, what all of us contestants hope to be when we get on the show. Of course, all of us dream of going on a run like this, but um, to have somebody uh, of Amy's caliber, of Amy's humility, of her humor going on a run like this, I think it's just absolutely spectacular. And it really does ease the thing of a loss, I'll say, to see her going on this run and breaking all these records. Well, Dale, good to visit with you. It's always great to talk. What a story. Thanks. Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate the chance to share, and I'll talk to you soon. I appreciate this. All right, there he is, Doe Young Park. Great guy, covers the twins for MLB.com. That was fun. We've got to get to a break. We'll get you up to date on the weather, and uh, still to come, we'll talk a little hockey. Chris Peters uh, will break down the Olympic team. And then high school sports, uh, Ken Hamry from St. Michael Albertville, the girls' basketball team at St. Michael Albertville, having a great year. They are a definite a state tournament threat, and certainly could be in the mix for a state title. We'll get into all of that coming up on News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. Sports Saturday rolling along. Wild Idol, they got a big win over the Ducks, 7-3. to Timberwolves Idol, they get to Golden State Warriors tomorrow night. Pre-game is 6.30, tip 7 o'clock. I'll be in with Timberwolves tonight on a Sunday night following the game between 10 and 11. Here on News Talk, E3OWCC. I really look forward to that. Uh, right now, Chris Peters covers hockey. And, Chris, always good to visit with you. Covered hockey for a long time on a lot of platforms over the years. and uh, We're talking Olympic hockey right now. And, and one other story. Uh, the Golden Gophers abruptly lost to goaltender to the Carolina Hurricanes. Did that surprise you that they were able to grab Jack LaFontaine uh right in season like that and sign him well steve good to be with you again but yeah it was it was a big surprise and i think that you know it's pretty rare to see it happen it's actually happened to minnesota before i think back uh, to when kyle oposo abruptly left minnesota um and but this is a, a a lot different of a situation essentially carolina was in a bind they had most of their goalies that were eligible to be called up were injured or in protocols and they were basically down to their regular starter, Frederick Anderson, nobody else. And so they, it really was kind of a desperation play. Um, you know, teams still have roster limits and everything else. And, um, you know, with, with you can only have 50 signed NHL contracts in a given year. And so you're not going to want to just hand that out to anybody. So obviously, you know, Jack LaFontaine, the way he's played the last few years, he's played his way into, you know, he was drafted, of course, but still you have to earn that contract. And, I would say that, you know, winning the Mike Richter award last year and how he's played has, has made him a much more valuable commodity. So, um, it basically, they said, you know, hey, we need to get you in here. And, and I think the guarantee of NHL games that he played, you know, the first game he was backing up Anderson and ended up coming in and, um, you know, had to make his debut kind of unexpectedly in the third period there as, as Carolina was getting lit up a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think that he's, uh, he, they essentially said, "Hey, you're going to be in the NHL this week," and I think that that's when you when you when you hear that when you hear that your dream is that close that you can touch it and taste it. Um, it's hard to turn down, even given the circumstances. But now it puts the Gophers in a huge bind. Justin Close is going to have to be the starter the rest of the way here, and you know before Jack left, Lafontaine had started 58 of the previous 60 games. So um, it's pretty much uh, a, a huge a huge hit to. Um, you know, the, 
Gophers in terms of their national title hopes and, and Big Ten championship hopes, but now it's an opportunity for Justin Close to step up and, and maybe be the hero here. Man, got to win 4-1 to over Alaska. Same two teams tonight at 3M Arena at Mariucci. One of the other things we wanted to bring up, Chris, with you, and you follow this very closely, when the NHL started having COVID problems and then elected not to send players to Beijing and the Winter Olympic Games, uh, Team USA had to find players, and they've, they've put together a team. We want to get your read on that and what that that club's going to look like in Beijing. Yeah, well, you know, Steve, again, this is another uh, kind of uh, unfortunate circumstance where you have to make the best of a bad situation. And, you know, as far as USA Hockey is concerned, they feel pretty strongly about the youth of their of their system. So they, they went very heavily with college players. 25-player roster, 15 of the players named their current college players. Um, one is a, a recent, you know, college player currently playing in Europe, and then the rest are, you know, European pros with NHL experience uh, for the most part, um, and a few guys from the American Hockey League as well. So it, it's really um, a, a unique lineup. There are going to be, you know, a number of Minnesota Golden Gophers, Ben Myers, um, uh, Brock Faber, and Matthew Nyes, who will be one of the two youngest players on Team USA at this at this tournament, one of the youngest to ever represent the u.s at the at the olympics but by going with the college players the u.s is kind of learning some of the lessons from 2018 when they went and there were no nhl players there they brought a roster that only had four college players on it but it turned out that two of their college players were their best players and ryan donato and troy terry who are now currently in the nhl and, and jordan greenway who now plays for the wild was also on that team so um you know that was instructive to them to say hey we can lean on these young guys they can do a lot more for us and they're a little bit closer to their primes their pro primes they might not be nhl ready yet but a lot of them are going to be playing in the nhl some of them as soon as this season after their college seasons are over so a very heavy college lineup and to me with if you're not going to have the nhl players that suddenly makes team usa a lot more compelling i want to see what these young guys can do yeah, and it, it does stand out. And, of course, uh, anybody old enough to remember the miracle on ice, it, it was all college kids back in the day. And uh, before the Olympics got blown up by the mighty Russian team and then were able to pull the upset and the miracle on ice and then ultimately go on to win the gold medal. So it, it kind of takes you back. And, and honestly, when it comes to the Olympics, I know the dream team was fun and you, to see Kevin Durant and all the NBA superstars play in the Olympics. But on the other hand, um, has, has that gotten old? And would I rather see the kids represent their country and go see what they can do? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that it's kind of, we lose the measuring stick element. I think that's something that the Olympics have been over the four years. You say, okay, well, how is everybody stacking up against Canada? You know, Canada has continued to prove that they, they, they're the top dogs and they've won the, you know, the gold medals in the more recent best on best tournaments in 2010 and, and 2014. But what this does is it really allows each country to showcase the depth of talent that they have. And I think for, especially for the U.S. and saying, we want to give, we're, we're turning this, this team over to our young players and for our, you know, they, they basically, they specifically reference that the NHL, you look at how much of an impact young players are making on their respective teams right now. Um, obviously you see it with, with the, the wild with Kaprizov, who's, you know, a little bit different because he's older and he had more pro experience, but then you look at the Anaheim Ducks and Trevor Zegers or the Detroit Red Wings with Moritz Sider and, and, 
and Lucas Raymond. And, and these guys are not just good players. They're stars on their current teams. And I think that that's what they view this this team could be. You've got Jake Sanderson, who's a number five pick, currently plays at the University of North Dakota. you got Matty Beneers, who plays at Michigan and was the number two pick in the last draft. I mean, these are high-profile prospects that have, are expected to have long NHL careers, and, and some of them will start as soon as this season. So I think that that's what really makes it fascinating. Now, the question is, is, Will experience win out, or does this youthful exuberance and also this this pot, the speed of this U.S. team? I think it's going to be a very fast team. Um, they're going to be exciting to watch. I mean, I, I really do think that this this has really changed my mind in terms of being super disappointed that the NHL players weren't going to be there. And as somebody that follows prospects in college hockey as closely as I do. I mean, in some ways, it's more fascinating. I would certainly prefer the best on best because I just I, I'm really sad that we don't get to see Connor McDavid versus Austin Matthews, which we were guaranteed to get in this tournament because USA plays Canada in the preliminary round. But beyond that, you know, I, I think that what we've got is going to be a pretty nice uh, backup plan, and it should be fun. And, I, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, Chris, it's always good to visit with you. How do people find your work these days? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm at dailyfaceoff.com and also on my own Substack site, uh, which is Hockey Sense, and that's hockeysense.substack.com, and also my podcast, Talking Hockey Sense, available wherever you can download podcasts. Yeah, we always appreciate your insight and the time. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Steve. All right, Chris Peters, covered hockey for a long time. Look at the men's Olympic team and uh, the sudden departure go for goalie Jack LaFontaine with the Carolina Hurricanes. And, of course, the women's team, a lot of familiar names on that team. Hannah Brand, who played at Hill Murray. Danny Cameronisi uh, with, with Olympic experience. Amanda Kessel played at the U. Kelly Panic, And, of course, Maddie Rooney from Andover. Elise Steckline. And then, of course, among the first-time Olympians, Grace Zumwinkle. So uh, a lot of good stuff. By the way, uh, the Golden Gopher women's hockey team playing as we speak right now over at the University of Minnesota. Uh, They are in action after uh, taking care of business against St. Thomas. Uh, Right now, uh, they're looking for a sweep of Minnesota State. 13 minutes now in front of six high school hoops in the spotlight. Uh, Ken Hamry from St. Michael Albertville Girls Basketball joins us in a moment. Uh, it's been a lot of fun today on the program. Big thanks to all our guests. Carrie Clatt, our producer, Mark Fry in the newsroom. And right now we're going to talk high school girls basketball. Ken Hamry joins us, St. Michael Albertville. And, uh, Ken, congrats on a great season so far. Hey, thanks a lot, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, number one, let's talk about that conference. Wow. Uh, the late conference is unbelievable. Yeah, it is a brutal conference, and you know what? It's a good fit for us as well. I mean, from top to bottom, you know, with Eden Prairie, Diana Hopkins, was that a Minnetonka and Buffalo? I mean, there's just you know, every night you're going to be in for a battle, and there's no night off in the late conference. And you know, honestly, it's made us better. It's made us better as players. It's made us better as coaches because you have to work so hard to prepare and get ready for that type of competition night in and night out. Yeah, big win over Wyzetta. You were down at the half, come back, beat the Trojans on Friday night. And that, that has to be a conference uh, confidence builder considering uh, the games you have looming between now and the end of the regular season. Right. And, and you know, Wyzetta's a, a great team of, like, a lot of, like, games. And you know what? And we've kind of had a little bit of a run where we haven't had a lot of close games lately until that Wyzetta game, and, and it was – 
not a real pretty game, but you know what? Sometimes you need grinded out wins too. You know, our last real post game was back on December 21st versus Maple Grove, a 10 point game there. So it was good for us as coaches. It was good for our kids to be, you know, be in a tight game like that. And I know over at Wyzetta, they, uh, they probably are thinking the same thing. Boy, it wasn't, wasn't real pretty. I know we can play better next time. Yeah, ranked number six in the latest poll. You beat number five, Wyzetta. Uh, probably move up. And, of course, right at the top, Hopkins, number one, Minnetonka, uh, number two in, in the latest poll, another one coming out next week. More ab- about your team. Uh, who really makes a go for your team, Kent? Well, you know, everybody hears about Tessa Johnson, and you should. Uh, is, you know, she was out all last year with a broken leg. Uh, but, you know, we have one in the roster, and that's Emma Miller. And, uh, you know, Emma, Emma's, you know, she's hit that point where she's got, I, I like to call it senioritis, where she's really getting the team involved. She's coming to practice, and she's holding other players accountable in the leadership between Emma and Tessa and another captain, Piper Carlson. It's everybody's buying in, and it's. I would say, you know, Emma Tessa, everybody says Emma Tessa, but there's so many kids that are, you know, the old cliche, the, the lunch bucket kids. You know, the I got a couple of Hoselton sisters that they come in each day. They're, you know, they don't put a lot of numbers. Uh, Kylie Diaz, uh, you know, and Ja'Kayla Kraft, a lot of kids that play their role and play it well. You know, we have a theme this year, it's called Play for Each Other, and these, these girls are really bought into it. It's been a lot of fun this year so far. You know, and there's you know, to mention them all would be impossible, but even our practices, it's a, it's a great practice and it's a great bunch of kids, which makes it so much fun. Well, and it's got to make it a joy to go into the gym for practice every day and and show up on game night. And I, I know St. Michael Albertville supports all their teams so well. You, you know what we do? I mean, you know, you, you come out here and we, we do have a lot of great student athletes here. And, you know, I, I love the fall going to watching our football team, our volleyball team, our soccer teams. All of them have success year in and year out, so you, you know you're, you're you're counted on to have success. And there's self pressure we put on ourselves out on here in St. Michael Albertville. We 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 hold ourselves to a high standard, and uh, you know we like that. Well, uh, Kent, we're tight on time. We got the news coming up at six. Good to visit with you. Continued success at St. Michael Albertville. Hey, I really appreciate you having me on today. So uh, I really appreciate it. And hey, go Knights. All right, thank you, Ken Hamry, St. Michael Albertville girls basketball. Number six, they beat number five, Wyzetta. They're going to move up, and they are going to be a factor as uh, we get toward the end of the season come section playoffs. Big thanks to all our guests. Tech Talk with Doug Swinhart. Eric Oslison, Metro Manager for KNS Heating. Phil Miller covers the Twins for the Star Tribune. Josh Peltier, Eastridge Boys basketball coach. Steve Carney took us outdoors. Uh, Emily Osterkirk, uh, the head coach at Rogers Girls Hockey. Chris Thomason covers the Vikings for the Pioneer Paris. Doe Young Park, who covers the Twins for MLB.com. He was on Jeopardy. What a story. Ken Hamry, St. Michael Albertville. Chris Peters covers hockey. We talked Olympic hockey. we got to run. Big thanks to Kerry Clatt, our producer. Big thanks to you for tuning in. I'm Steve Thompson. Have a great Saturday night. times in my life when I was going insane trying to walk we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.